Tavern Cast. Hallow we get it. The following program was recorded on an earlier date for presentation at this time. From the great state of Michigan in the American Midwest, it's time for good beer, great friends, and pure 100% fun. This is Tavern Cast. Tonight, a special tavern cast event. On October 2nd of this year, the hosts of Taverncast set out to record an entertaining Halloween edition of the show by interviewing a paranormal researcher and then going with him on a real investigation into a local cemetery with a storied past of ghostly activity. What happened during that investigation was unplanned and unexpected. And most importantly, caught on digital audio and analog tape. In the end, what you choose to believe is yours to decide. Some of what you're about to hear may be disturbing. October 2nd, 2010, the Taverncast Studios, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Good. Test yours, guys. Test, test, test. Looks good. Test, test. We can never remember the intro stuff. It's always like, like, right before a buzzard. Wasted. Happy Halloween and welcome to a Taverncast special event, where tonight we leave the bar behind and become Ghostcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Eric. And I'm Mike. We've got a really cool show for you tonight. Over the years, we've uh, covered all kinds of paranormal stuff on Taverncast, from the high strangeness shows, we talked about crop circles, we talked about cattle mutilations, we had multiple shows devoted to the topic of ghosts and the supernatural. Spotted dick. <laughs> well, tonight, we're not just going to talk about things that go bump in the night, we're getting out of the studio and taking you out in the field to see if we can have a real encounter with the strange and otherworldly at one of Michigan's most storied, haunted locations. Should be fun. Visit us online at www.taverncast.com and come to the forums and continue the discussions of our on-air ghost hunting expeditionary stories. <laughs> You got, a, you got a URL for that. It's like my. <laughs> I did. I said www.tavercast.com. Slash online ghost hunting expeditionary. <laughs> Mike is a professional. All right, there we go for it. And after you've heard us on the show, come and uh, let us know what you think. So you can call us at 734 408 7077. You can also reach us by uh, through, through Skype with the username Taverncast, or you can even email us if you want to go all old school. Taverncast at taverncast.com. Actually, we do have a drink of the show. What are we drinking? 
So what are we drinking? What are we drinking? It's Michigan Pure Cider and Bacardi 151. In case All you haven't been able to tell up to this point. Let, let's make something clear here. So the drink of the show ended up being what Mike pulled out of his trunk. <laughs> yeah, he has a giant bag full of alcohol. It kind of goes with him everywhere had, he goes. I had no clue what to bring, so just threw the whole shelf right into the bag. No, he didn't have a clue what to bring, so he just got what was usually in his trunk. <laughs> a, ch- a child's bag <laughs> with Bacardi bag 151. And I, it was not a child's bag. It's a grocery bag. Not anymore. <laughs> Certainly looked like Blue's Clues on the bag. Right out of my black Scion XB. <laughs> License please. So cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> For our welfare drink out of Mike's trunk. <laughs> and that's Yeehaw. what that's we're what drinking. We're drinking. <laughs> Back to being reasonably serious for our super special event show that has now been, as usual in Taverncast style, horribly derailed by our unprofessionalism. What? Uh, what? 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 Well, I have to point out, though, if you're professional, you get paid to do what you're doing. Oh, he does have a point. Someday. Wait, you guys aren't getting paid? No, are you getting oh. paid? Oh, yeah. Uh, wait, 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 how much are you getting paid? Oh. Anyways, we start what out are? tonight's <laughs> special event with the backstory. So, Mike and Eric have been bugging me about this show for a while years has it been years yeah it definitely it's has been, been years, years. Yeah, we've spent we tried to get you to regale us with stories for a long time it's a sorted sorted event in my past and they wanted me to reveal on reveal it on tc so since it's halloween and halloween is our traditional tavern casts oh wait what super events i thought you were going to talk about your time as a streetwalker <laughs> No, no, no. I was saving that oh, one until Christmas. God. I thought that was a Thanksgiving special. I was talking yeah. World of Warcraft stories. Sorted, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorted time. World of what? what Sorry. Is that? Yeah. What? Ghostcraft. So once upon a time, some ten or so years ago, I was in title <laughs> one of a director and the senior researcher of ufology of the Ann Arbor Paranormal <laughs> Research ufology. Organization. Ooh. And ufology is the... Do you have a business card? The, the, so I actually awesome. did. Ufology is the uh, study and investigation of UFOs, and I actually still have a card <laughs> from the mutual UFO network called <laughs> MUFON, and I am a trained field investigator for UFOs. So if we were to say, see a UFO right now, outside the window... I would be a what trained would observer. Tell you to do? I would scream. run. I would scream and, you, and run. You yeah. it's like a little girl in your wallet. No, 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 no. Starfleet Academy. I certainly do. Right? Yes. First, you have to take a really shaky photo, <laughs> and then you run. So, so the organization, APRO, Ann Arbor Paranormal Research Organization, was a local Michigan nonprofit organization. It was dedicated to the scientific study of paranormal occurrences, everything from parapsychology to ufology to paranormal this and that. Uh, we attempted to obtain empirical evidence of phenomena in a scientific and rational manner. We attempted. From 1998 to 2001, we investigated nearly a dozen cases, from alleged hauntings to UFO sightings. We held public symposiums. We're covered by the media on three occasions. We were, at the time, I'd say probably the most legitimate organization looking into these topics anywhere in the state of Michigan. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's sorry to believe with us, but <laughs> it was actually true. <laughs> 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 now that that's out of the bag, 
You guys want to say anything about my involvement with APRO you before didn't. I get into our special? So you were you followed? Did you he was get that head con- director of ufology? Did you get that confused with like amateur gynecologist and actually <laughs> go with? No, the, he was, yeah, he was a trained amateur gynecologist. Thought that was the same, too. and it would lead to the same type of <laughs> no, uh, outcome. Not the same, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I always thought it was cool. I mean, I totally always thought that was cool as hell, and I, always I was actually kind of jealous. For, it definitely made for good stories, and I don't know why these stories didn't show up on our high strangeness yes. episode or our Halloween episode. Last time, but some for some reason they didn't. So well, that's good. He's held them for you, well, let's, loyal listeners. Well, let me tell you, Eric, why they never ended up on TavernCast. They didn't end up on TavernCast because though I pride myself on my useless knowledge of UFOs and the paranormal, and I'm happy to bring it to the show from the standpoint of being ringleader of discussions, it's not necessarily been something that I want to trump off the highest <laughs> hills that I was director <laughs> of a ghost hunting group ten years ago. Yeah. No matter how cool it might your... have been. So let's just get right into what what the actual point of our super special ghost cast event is tonight. We have a special guest in the studio with us. He was the director, the actual director and senior parapsychological researcher of APRO, the man who headed up and had probably the most knowledge on all of our investigations into ghostly activity. He's Matt Laura, and he joins us now on Ghostcast. Hey, good, good to see you after ten years, Mister. Yeah, Mr. it's Laura. been a long time. It really has. So, who is Matt Laura? Who are you? And what moved you into exploring the paranormal some 10 years ago with me and a bunch of other people that formed the Ann Arbor Paranormal Wait, a Research? A bunch of other people? How many? Uh, you're, are you trying to deflect it was like, like 10? Like yeah, the there focus. were. Was there it really 10? A lot more than you think. All right. Yeah. 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 And we had to turn a lot of people away. And right. we had a lot of people who, you, who wanted to do you it. You might want to jest, but I wasn't kidding when I said we were the most <laughs> legitimate paranormal <laughs> research. We, we were in the paper, mother. <laughs> we were on the news laying yeah. down next to a headstone in the middle of the woods it was awesome there will, there will be pictures on the tavern cast site galore and people can read the original articles and press that was out there about us and laugh their asses off about what absolute idiots we were like I, said, we had I no idea so what we were doing cast. I kid because I love and I actually love yeah. this idea. I drink I because I love. Well, this so so to let everybody know, even before Mac gets started, this was back in the days when um, the ghost hunting thing was just sort of getting rolling. Like the internet had just sort of sprung into existence, maybe three years or so before we got started in '98, two years before, and. Um, People were just starting to put these organizations together to go out and do this stuff. And so none of the shows that are on TV now, like... Um, Paranormal State, I mean, all hunters. those, yeah. Ghost, Ghost hunters, hunters, yeah. None of that stuff was out there. So, you know, our little organization was approaching things very much like you see on TV, but I think from a little bit more skeptical slash trying to be rational uh, backdrop with a little bit of science mixed in there. Dude, don't cross the streams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were the first don't cross the streams. <laughs> you laugh, but we actually had someone who invented a particle accelerator. No, that's not true. But something that so we were ghost hunting before ghost hunting was cool. Which would still be tonight. Yeah. <laughs> So, Matt, tell us about yourself and tell us about what got you into this whole ghostly pursuit 10 years ago. And, I mean, maybe give us an update as to are you still into it? I started just a really long time ago. I've kind of always had this fascination for everything spooky, everything haunted. The house that I grew up in was haunted. I had my first sighting of a ghost when I was about six or seven. I saw a ghost at the foot of the stairs in my house growing up. And so I've always sort of had this sense that 
it's just there, it just is, it's not something to prove or disprove. It's kind of like gravity, it's just there, you can't necessarily see it. So that's kind of how I approached everything. And then, really, you're right with the advent of the internet, this idea that you could take pictures of ghosts and audio of ghosts and put them up on the internet for everyone to see and be critical of, really kind of fascinated me, and that's what really started, and, and I think one day I just sent you an email, and I'm like, hey, we're the Ann Arbor Ghost Hunter Society, and we're going to go find ghosts, and... And I said, okay. Okay, let's go, yeah. <laughs> so that's where it came from. That's really how it started, and then... Did you guys have a mystery van? <laughs> Dog and Scooby Snacks. We did, but we're required by law to register that at every school and church. So it's actually sitting in the FBI Black Ops <laughs> Museum <laughs> right now right. <laughs> for its torsion physics drive that was highly classified. Guys- meddling kids. Because <laughs> Bill's not It here. did oh. make a cameo in Monsters <laughs> vs. Don't. Aliens, though. But that was nice. Do you have any specific story, uh, uh, encounter with the supernatural that really sticks out, like a major one from, you know, from anything pre-APRO that you want to relate? Just because, hey, it's Halloween and we love these spooky we love stories. Ghost stories. Yeah, and we're all tapped out. We've shared all our stories now. <laughs> we ain't got nothing left. The, like I said, the house that I grew up in was haunted, and my brothers and I all knew it. And we would be sitting in the basement playing, and we had these giant mirrors on the wall. And I, my parents use them for kinky stuff, I think. <laughs> and we would just see things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of both. There were slingshots. There was a swing down there. I don't know. The entire room was so we would. It, yeah, Eric's got one of those. Yeah. Two, actually. Uh, one for each leg. One for each leg. That's great. <laughs> one for the top, one for the bottom. So, <laughs> so we'd see stuff running back and forth all the time. I saw a ghost. It was the middle of the night. And I was standing at the top of the stairs because that's where the bathroom was, and I was peeing. And I looked down the bottom of the stairs, and there was a figure walking up the stairs, someone that I, I didn't know, hadn't ever seen, looked very pale. And so I went and hid in my bedroom and didn't come out till the next morning. Even before that, I remember very vividly the house that we lived in before when I was much younger, three and four. I would wake up having nightmares about that basement and what was down in that basement, the people who were in that basement. So when we first moved to that house, I already had a sense of what was going on and what had happened there. And so that has always sort of been with me. And uh, deja vu, people talk about deja vu. It's a little bit different when it's something that you've had recurring dreams about and you remember ahead of time and then you walk in. So... Just like, well, not the people here. Everyone else that I know is a skeptic, and everyone else that I know makes fun of the fact that. Oh I, no, no, no! Eric is a skeptic. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, and later. Mike is just a pain in the ass, yeah. but probably a skeptic. I'm, 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 I'm probably not as big a skeptic as, a skeptic as Eric, but I'm, I'm still. A skeptic okay. Well, well, you know, we'll see. Maybe nothing happens tonight. Maybe you walk out of there like Bryce did after the first time. I went. <laughs> <laughs> When we were doing the the paranormal research organization back in the day, Matt had an uncanny ability to say things like, I feel that there's something here. Take a picture of me now. And we would take pictures when he would say things like this. And sure enough, maybe eight out of ten times, there would be something slightly odd with the image. Um, same Sometimes thing would happen with odd. EVP or electronic voice projection, which is where you use a tape recorder or a digital recorder to tape your investigation. And sometimes things appear on the tape or on the digital recording after the fact, 
And similar situation, Matt would often say, I hear something, I feel something that nobody else would really hear, and sure enough, there would be something on the tape. So, uh, I, you know, I don't have this ability. I don't know anyone else but Matt who does, although you hear these stories all the time. And uh, it's one of those things where I think initially I thought Matt was full of <laughs> and uh, <laughs> eventually, years into it, I started realizing that mm, there might be something to it that, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to say that I understand, but it's definitely there. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know that there's anything necessarily to understand or to try to buy into. It's just this feeling that it's there, I guess. And so, feeling is really kind of the best way to put it. Talk, talk a little bit shortly about APRO. How, what was it? Um, how did it start? Where did it go to? And I think ultimately, why did it not continue? I think APRO started just. It was a few friends that wanted to hang out and. And do stuff like Taverncast or Ghostcast. You know, we just wanted to go out and have a good time, and and we were all intrigued by this idea that if you go out to a cemetery and take pictures, you can get abnormalities, you can get orbs, or you can get vortexes, or you can get these things that would show up on film that you wouldn't see live, or you would get audio files that you wouldn't necessarily hear. And this live. was spawned on by early efforts into the ghost hunting thing by people like the International Ghost Hunter Society, mm-hmm. Dave exactly. Esther, and people like that. Yeah, right? okay. and they're they're still out there and. That's kind of where we started looking at that stuff, going, oh, we can do this, we can do this. And So we just started by going out to a cemetery, we found an abandoned cemetery, and uh, did a little research, which is really the fun part of it, is looking back, you know, how does a cemetery become abandoned? That There are headstones out there, it's clearly part of a village that doesn't exist anymore, there's an old mill out there somewhere that doesn't exist anymore, and how does that just become abandoned? How does it become so overgrown that people drive by it at 55 miles an hour all day, every day, and have no idea that you know they're 20 yards from it so that's kind of how we got started and then a real healthy dose of skepticism i felt like you came from came at it from the vantage point that you know this is kind of crazy and people are crooks and criminals and and they're trying to take advantage of people and so i'm going to prove it's not true where i came at it from well it's obviously true it's obviously something that that i see or feel or experience and so you know how do we prove that it's not just a feeling that a small percentage of people have this ability to see ghosts or feel ghosts or hear things, and, and how do we prove that it's something more than just that? So I'm just curious to go around the table here and to see what everybody thinks about this, just to get it out there for the show. <clears throat> what does everybody think, what, what is everyone's position on the paranormal in relation to ghosts? Out of everyone here, are you guys true believers? Are you skeptics? Are you hard skeptics, soft skeptics, etc.? I think... Um, I would consider myself to be a a skeptical believer. How about that? I believe in the possibility that it's there, uh, but I really would love to see some hard evidence of it being there. I'm not so sure that I'm going to jump and say it's absolutely 100% real and I have zero doubts. I still carry doubts. How about you, Eric? Your description would make you a, a skeptic and that you don't... Well, I would say I don't believe it until I see evidence. Personally, I've never experienced anything like what you're saying. I don't discount that a lot of people have these stories, including like my mom does. I mean, everyone you talk to has them. And so it's hard to know where it's coming from. And it's just, I've never experienced it myself. And truthfully, I haven't put a lot of time into looking into it. So I've never experienced it myself either, but I'm pretty sure there's got to be something beyond the visible. So I maybe I'm, I'm open to the idea. I just have never experienced it. So I guess that makes me a skeptic just in, kind of terms of experience but not so much you know i wouldn't have a hard time believing it i guess i I guess to 
to clarify my thing, I'm not skeptical that there's a a supernatural element to life. What I'm skeptical of is whether or not it's actually dead humans that are running around as ghosts trying to contact us or if it's some other phenomena that's where that's where my dividing line is i think it's something we don't understand now whether that's dead people who are as ghosts or it's some sort of extra dimensional being or it's something scientific that we just don't know something physics based i don't know that's where i lean on it so actually that i wanted to ask matt about that because you had said it's more like uh, a tape replaying or something it's not really like a you know a sentient sentient being following you around and and would you also say that very rarely is it or in your experience is it not um malevolent is it is it just kind of like a message being played well, there's more than one kind of ghost. There's more than one kind of haunting, and and I go back and watch Ghostbusters every year around this time. It's <laughs> classic, and it's so there's so much truth in it. But symmetrical books, <laughs> no human being could do this. Listen, <laughs> whatever. You smell something. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. No human would stack books this way. We are electrical beings. Our nervous system is electrical, and every electrical charge emits an electromagnetic field. It just is the way it is. It energizes the air around you. It just is the way it is. So one of the theories that we stumbled across pretty early on and spent a lot of time working on, actually, was this idea that during great moments of stress, you emit more electrical activity. Your nervous system is more active, and so you emit more electromagnetic radiation, and so it gets caught up in the molecular structure of of a house or a wall or a hallway or and so then over time after you've died it, it'll play back like a loop and we came to this conclusion from a lot of different directions but it was basically most of the hauntings people talked about were someone walking down this hall or walking back and forth down this hall and that was it there was nothing else there were no doors opening there were no objects moving there were no lights turning on and off it was just an image of a person walking back and forth and would look at you and disappear and it came across more like a tape being played back over and over again. There's actually been a good deal of research done on this out of Duke University in North Carolina, out of their psychology department. They had a uh, uh, a center within there called the Rhine Research Center, which is actually, I think, broken off into its own little research thing, not affiliated with the university anymore. That's a huge study. I don't know how long they've been doing the study, but they're still on that same study mm-hmm. trying to prove one way or the other if there's latent mm-hmm. electromagnetic charge that gets attached to structure and whether that has the ability to play back in certain circumstances, mm-hmm. storms in the center of power lines, um, certain electrical disturbances outside one way or the other. But they've been looking into that for mm-hmm. years. And that would be why when people go to hotels that are famously haunted, you know, one out of every five or six people who stays there sees something, but they always see the same thing. They always report the same thing. There's never any change to it. It's never someone following you or doing something malevolent. Why is that the image they see of somebody just walking down a hall? That doesn't seem like a very stressful thing. I don't know. I don't know that there's necessarily an answer for it. That phenomenon accounts for hauntings, ghostly activity of the traditional form where it's the the disembodied spirit of a dead person that is doing the same thing over and over again. But the more violent stuff, the stuff that is termed to be malevolent, (laughs) that's usually um, poltergeist Mm -hmm. activity. They Mm -hmm. call poltergeist activity or demonological activity. Mm -hmm. And there's, um, there's actually a dividing line between the two. Poltergeist activity happens often. It's a psychokinetic activity, so it's they think it's related to people 
projecting parapsychological phenomena like a, a, an angst. It, it usually cycles around teenagers, believe it or not. And teenagers are usually at the core of it. When the teenagers are out of the house, no activity happens. When they're back in the house, the activity happens. So it's a psychical phenomena projected by psychically active individuals projecting things into a space as opposed to being uh, dead people, spirits, uh, you know, things like that. And the demonological thing is a completely different phenomena, which is mostly rooted in the you know religious idea of demons, and that's where you get you know possession and things like that. That's a different situation, though. That's not something that's playing out over and over again. These are it, you know if they're opening cupboard doors and they're turning on and off lights, okay. they have the ability to manipulate things in our world, in quotes, for lack of a better term. So that's not that same idea of something just playing back over and over. That's the idea of a spirit or a soul being sort of dislodged and waiting for an opportunity. And as cheesy as as Hollywood is with that, this idea that you have to let go of something or you're waiting for someone to tell you that it's okay to move on to the next realm, there's some core that they're waiting for someone or some sort of redemption or someone to say it's okay or it, it does happen. See, and I'm not a big fan of that theory at all. Right, like, I'm not a believer right, at all right. of that being being truth. Yeah. Because I just I don't believe that there's anyone sitting around in some weird limbo somewhere that's able to communicate or else. For... You know, I, like Harry Houdini, when he died, uh, he made a promise that if there was any way to communicate from the afterlife, he would be the one to do it. Right. You know, and no one's heard from Harry Houdini. That they know so, of. Well, yeah. I mean, it, this is where the line gets muddy. To it me, gets though, really, I, I yeah, it gets really, it. yeah. It's the the best analogy I ever heard was Scott Adams of all people wrote a book that was really metaphysical and really good, and it was he said it's like a cartoon. We draw a bunch of different stick figures on a lot of different pads of paper, and you flip through them. It looks like it's moving, but there's the space between the papers. So if we're the papers, there's space between the papers in time and space that exists. So there's so much more going on that we can't determine or identify and that so much of this happens in the space between what we see and what we experience. That kind of stuff has fallen into sort of the cultural lexicon Absolutely. too, just the, the concept right. of it. So I think to some extent there's a there's a bit of like um, intellectual pollution of that idea, whereas anybody who watches any kind of ghost show now is going to be like, you know, if something, the floor creaks, are going to be like, hey, it's okay, you can exactly. you can go home exactly. now, you can go into the light, Carolyn. <laughs> you know, well, that doesn't mean there is anything. That was you know, my area of skepticism, too. I, d I don't know that, you know, if you, if you think of it in terms of Angels and Demons, not the Dan Brown book, which was better <laughs> than the Da Vinci Code, in my personal opinion. <laughs> so was so the movie. <laughs> I never saw the movie. But if you think of it in terms of, of there being spirits, protector spirits, angels or demons, following you around, then... They're kind of all there all the time, and the, this image of conscious, uh, an angel on one shoulder and, and a devil on the other shoulder, it really may not be that far from the truth about what's going on, that people who have passed on are still influencing your thoughts and your actions in ways that you don't know or understand. I also think that that moment of death, when you cross over from this life into the next, I don't know that we can put a time frame on that necessarily we the house well, that who knows right exactly who would know so i don't have any problem believing that these things are happening the 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 weight of witness testimony over the years and i don't mean in this century i mean centuries oh, and centuries right. past Absolutely. is so heavy that in any court of law if you had that many witnesses step forth and say i saw this 
you'd win the case. Yeah. And I know people debate this, and they say, well, it could be anything. It could be a million things it could be. But the bottom line is is that some witnesses, most witnesses even, are not going to be reliable. But there's a good core of them, you know, a percentage that are going to be. And over time, there's thousands and thousands of people saying it's these It's the things. consistency so, of their testimony, I think. There's that, something. Yeah. I still come down to, though, that it's so intangible as a phenomenon, we may never know what it is. Right. Because it's not something that's presenting itself that can be measured in a lab and in a, in a scientific way. Absolutely. And I think that was what stumped us up with APRO eventually, right. is there was no way to really control anything or get anything that was measurable. Right. Other than this idea of a repeating apparition or a repeating phenomenon, which that wasn't what we were going for. Not, neither of you guys, Eric and Mike, have ever, not even once in your entire life, felt like there was someone watching you or a presence of some kind or maybe right even now. something like You're somebody was right in the <laughs> I got freaked out right now. It's reminding me of, okay, so when I was a, a sophomore in college, one afternoon I fell asleep in my dorm room and uh, I don't remember what had happened prior to that, but I had fallen asleep in the dorm room and I kind of woke up and it was, I woke up and it was about 6 p.m. at night. I swear, I, I kind of half opened my eyes, and I'm looking up into the upper corner of the room, and I swear there's something up there. And so I'm just like, I'm not moving. I'm just like kind of watching this thing. And, you know, I was really freaked out. I was like, what the hell is that, you know? And then and then I kind of got up and opened up, and it turned out just to be a shadow of something else. But it freaked me out, and I was like, whoa. You know, it was pretty nuts. But that was about the closest thing. You've never just been sitting in an office... Doing your thing, corner no. of your eye, you see like a little rush past the door. Nothing. No, never. That's usually what it is. It's see, now I, I do. Mm-hmm. I don't often, but it happens. Like, it, it's not like it's just one of those. Now I don't, I don't feel it acutely like you say you do. I don't attach it with a person, but there are times where, honest to God, I get a little freaked out. Where it's like there's just it, it's in certain places. It's at certain times. But having said that, I know that I can also make myself do that. If I go watch something really scary, Absolutely. then all of a sudden there's something in the house. And well, so and be- I, because of that, I, think that I this, question what's real Right, what this is, idea you know. of being psychic or sensitive, I, I think everyone has it. But as soon as that adrenaline starts rushing, as soon as you think, did I just see someone in my house or did I hear a door close or did I hear footsteps, or, your adrenaline gets going. And so then you start to convince yourself of things that aren't there or that weren't you there. So, yeah, exactly. Eric, so, didn't you just tell me, like, sometime this summer, you and uh, your girlfriend were sitting in the house and the door, you guys heard the yeah, door yeah, open or something? Yeah, we heard the door open, the back door open. And um, I think the dog reacted. We heard the, the, the screen door open and someone tried the door. And then, so I went and I looked out and there was no one there. But I don't know what that was. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to attach something to it. It could have been wind. I, I, you know, there's no real... Could have been burglars. Could have been the breaking and entering. <laughs> well, the thing goes. is, yeah. is the, the door was unlocked, so I don't know. If you're well, that's, the door, but maybe I, they again, someone. I don't know. Well, a ghost can't open the door because they don't have any hands. Well, or because hands. Of, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> well, they, they can really walk right through it. I mean, that's <laughs> what the hell they're yeah, messing with your door. No, no, no. For. Doors stop ghosts. Yeah, There's no way they're getting door, through doors. That's true. Have magic doors. Yeah, yeah. They paid a lot for them. Yeah. No, but, but that's one of those things where your brain primers just takes over, and you're like, "Did I hear this?" And then you start to attribute to different things. And well, I mean, we both heard it. It wasn't like you know, it was something just in my head. And and the layout of the windows are such that it would have been difficult for someone to, to walk to the back door without me noticing uh, where I was sitting. But 
like I said, it could have been the wind. I've had that before. I mean, my screen door is broken. If it's not closed, it'll swing and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And it's not like I was paying attention, so I, I might be remembering something more. Exactly. This has been a, an interesting discussion, I think, deeper in some ways than we've ever gone into this sort of phenomenon. It's kind of fun. But we got to get into the actual event portion of our show. Yeah. So we're going to talk about tonight the most investigated location we ever went to with the Ann Arbor Paranormal Research Organization and the place with the most evidence, the place with the most uh, photographic evidence, the place with the most uh, EVP or audio evidence, and it's a place called Sio Village. Nestled in the forested and underdeveloped region of southeast Michigan, known as the Huron River Valley, about seven miles northwest of the city of Ann Arbor, lies the location of a place long since lost to the flow of time and change. Where there now stands rows of oak and walnut trees, a new manufacturing plant, and a few houses, there was once a village named Sio. Local historians place the approximate date of its birth at 1822, and its demise early in the 1900s. Up until late into the 1970s, a few surviving residents of Sio still live to tell the tales of their ill-fated village, and many of these tales are saturated with superstition. Folklore asserts that the area was cursed by the Potawatomi Indians. Some said the Indians warned them that the land itself was sacred ground and haunted by the Wendigo, a vengeful and demonic spirit that roamed the area. Some said that the infamous Sayo flour mill, the village's chief source of industry, was hoodooed, damned to never be prosperous. It doesn't come as a surprise that the maligned mill burned down in 1896. It was that same mill, many believe today, that was the true cause of the village's disappearance. Without a source of revenue, Sayo Village was lost to history. Unlike many old Michigan towns, Sayo is somewhat unique because of the lack of present-day evidence that it ever existed at all. There are no weathered storefronts, no sagging barns, and no homes that show signs of their former incarnations. Even the foundations of the structures are mostly gone. The village cemetery, desecrated a number of times by individuals or religious cults, now sits unrecognizable, deep within a shroud of trees. All that remains are the stories. The local legends of the cemetery itself, stories of satanic rituals, a warlock's grave, ancient Indian spirits, and the frequent encounters with strange sights and sounds, all of which persist to this day. Well, tonight, an inside look into the local paranormal. UPN 50's Mike Bowersack tells us about a local organization on the search for ghosts, and they may have found them near Ann Arbor. There's a base of phenomena worldwide that people have encountered. They call themselves the Ann Arbor Paranormal Research Organization, or APRO. What we're trying to figure out is what that phenomena is. With this, we can see the position of the, uh, of the planets and all the stars. That trying to scientifically explain the unexplained. What we're looking for is, is any deviance in the norm. Humidity's gone up quite a bit, though. We're at 55%. 58%. Usually there are rational answers to the mysteries, but it is this cemetery in these woods that has them stumped. A massive tree where witches held ceremonies appears to have swallowed a tombstone. After about a year of studying it, so uh, I, I guess it was about a year ago, we finally noticed this. There's a stone that looks like it could be a tombstone, 
but we can't say that for sure. I mean, we can't pull the stone out and say what it is. The scariest part for me was not actually being here, but going home and listening to the audio tapes and hearing just strange noises that you didn't hear while, you know, while you were here. Like dogs whining, stuff like that. And there was this incident on a dry July afternoon. We heard footsteps that began to accelerate, like something was running towards us. They saw nothing, but began taking pictures. When the pictures developed, a blue fog rises out of the ground and leaves as quickly as it comes. It sort of got bigger and bigger and bigger in, in three or four consecutive frames and then disappeared. Whether it be something that is un, unprovable yet or yet to be proved in a, in a scientific fashion, we don't know. Uh, my background is I'm a skeptic. Not enough of a skeptic, though, to leave the Sayo Village Cemetery. It is the series of mysteries that brings them back, the mysteries of the cemetery that can't be explained. In Washtenaw County, I'm Mike Bowersock, UPN 50, 10 o'clock news. So Matt, talk to us about Sio Village a bit, specifically the Sio Village Cemetery. What was in it? What did we find when we went there? What's a little bit of the history behind that place? Well, you were actually the one that told me about it, and we were driving along, and you said, oh, I think there's an abandoned cemetery there, and so I did a little bit of research. Oh, it was a high school legend. It was a, there was you, a, there's a local yeah. legend behind it. So I started doing a little research, and what I found almost immediately was that there was a village right there where you said that this cemetery was. This There was a cemetery as part of that village, and any kind of researcher, when you're doing something like that, when there's tangible evidence and proof of something that there's a legend that's grown out of, then there has to be some basis for it. So uh, I went actually down to City Hall and I went to all the libraries in, in town and pulled up all the old charts and found out who the farmer was that owned the area and where it was. And and the maps that I found from 1800s, I mean, really old, well over 100 years old, they were perfectly aligned with this right where you said it was. And this, was, the research on this on this whole area, on this town, is really sketchy even today. Yeah, I went back before the show and tried to look it up again. Uh, there is the book that we found way back then from the historical society in the area by a guy named Nicholas Marsh called Sile Village Today and Yesterday or something like something, that. Sile mm-hmm. Village Remembered. Yeah, yeah. But that's the only book that exists that, that covers the history of the area and it's been out of print for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and really there's not much else on the internet. No, there's little there's sketchy stories yeah. and most of them don't have, mo- most of them don't have the, uh, the comprehensive history of the area. Right. We decided to go out there one night on a lark and uh, I think we took a pocket tape recorder back because back then they had these things called tapes and so it, this is before we got more professional with that yeah well, this, this was the best you know 1998 you're right the internet's brand new there's no such thing as iTunes and CDs were still relatively expensive so we had a little pocket tape recorder and a disposable camera and we just went out one night and took a bunch of pictures and took some audio and it was creepy because it's all overgrown. It's woods. It's the middle of the night. The thing that that really got me was the audio that we got out of there. And as we were leaving, Bryce is holding his tape and he says, please hold, or, or stand by, stand by, and looks at his watch and then says the time. And in between where he says stand by and when he tells the time, it's a pause of two or three seconds, there's very clearly a voice that says okay. Bryce and I were the only people out there I didn't say okay. The voice says, 
Okay. And unfortunately, uh, we we've played some of the EVP from the area, and we'll play some more from that from that time. Unfortunately, we don't have that EVP anymore. I can't find it. We don't have we have we have some of the most startling EVP, but we don't have that one. Yeah. And I have searched high and low. It's Eric, just been too long. Isn't this where you step in and go? Oh, how convenient! <laughs> how convenient! <laughs> well, that's what I thought too. Was okay, Bryce. Did you say okay? No. Ghost lost. Okay. Well, I didn't say okay. There was no one. There's and you'll see when you get out there. There's just nothing else there. There's no one else around. It's not like you overheard a conversation. Well, it's worth saying about the cemetery that the cemetery is. It has a long history to it that some of which you just heard talked about here, but it, it's just gone. It's just destroyed. There's nothing there. Uh, there's divots in the ground where the graves were, where the caskets have just rotted out yeah. and the bones and stuff are gone. And so the grounds filled in and dropped where the caskets and all the bodies were there in very equal spots on the ground. And the reason that the cemetery got the fame that it did in the area is because of the fact that it was desecrated so many times, and there was a guy in the 70s who went in there on some bender or something wrong with him and just smashed the hell out of the remaining headstones. And at that point, the hysterical, historical society gave up trying to keep it. And there's a tree in there, which we'll talk about later, called the Warlock Tree or the Warlock's Grave. And that's why all the kids would go out there. And not to mention kids would go out there, but cults would go out there and satanic cults at that. And they would dig up bodies and they would kill animals and they would sacrifice things to this warlock's tree. And that's where the place got its notoriety. And that's where it got its, you know, its big name as a paranormal hotspot. I don't know that I ever felt like there was anything malevolent out there, but that could have just been me. But that was the, that okay was kind of what drew us back. And we so we went back out there a few other times and tell us about the series of photos, um, the, the the photo series. The, the classic was so we were out there and we both heard footsteps, sounded like footsteps walking toward us. And I said, okay, we need to get pictures right here. And so as fast as you can, snap, wind, 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 <laughs> snap, wind, wind, wind. We got five or six pictures, and it, it started with a little glowing orb i don't even know if it was an orb yeah like a mist it was at the moment that we heard something running toward us we had the tape going pictures are going to be on the website yeah we'll put these pictures up we actually have these we have i actually remember the uh the running footsteps thing Mm -hmm. because i was scared (laughs) that we were going to run into cult members out there Mm -hmm. or kids Mm -hmm. or somebody with ill intentions goofing Mm -hmm. off in this old graveyard Mm -hmm. that nobody knows we're out there in and so when that happened, my biggest fear is that we had stumbled across somebody out there who was going to do us harm. And that was unnerving because I remember the rustling of the leaves that sort of emulated some kind of a footfall, and then it stopped and it never came back. And it was unlike an animal even in the fact that you didn't hear it go the other way right. or scatter back into the deadfall. It just sort of stopped. It was done. Uh, that, was, that was a pretty memorable moment. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, it definitely felt like someone was running at us and got to us and stopped. Tell us about the EVP that sounded like a dog whining. So we went out there and had the EVP. I think there were three of us there that night. We got out there and walking around. I said, I, I heard a dog whimpering. Again, you're in the middle of nowhere. It's it's not like you're overhearing conversations. You can't see any lights from the city. You can't. There's just nothing out there. Psychological Research Society of Paranormal. September 18th. Eleven fifty-five p.m. Ambient temperature about fifty-five degrees. 
20% humidity tops, not breath conducive. Ceiling is unlimited. Silent Village Cemetery investigation uh, six. Three voices are present. Uh, they'll be called out. Mark. No. I displayed it. Live on Silent Village. Recording time start at approximately 12.03 p.m. or a.m. Well, I'm going nuts then because I and I heard it constantly the whole time we were out there 45 minutes an hour or something like that. The EVP uh, that I'm playing bits and pieces of right now, there is actually a part where I I say to you, I feel like something just brushed past my my ear or my head. Right. Well, do you have pictures? Okay. No, do you have pictures? Yeah. Do you have pictures that you can use? Yeah. I just felt something like brush past my ear. During while I'm talking, this noise is going on. This dog whimpering, which no one else heard it and it's not like I always hear things that no one else hears but I, that just really stuck in my mind because it was very clear and then when it showed up on the tape it's constant the, the whole time we were out there there was this dog whimpering in addition to some of the other sounds and other noises that we heard today we have you know electronic non-magnetic based tape type recording we have digital cameras all that stuff would you expect the same you know noticing the same type of phenomenon we don't know we've never used a digital recorder we've never used digital and anything other than a tape so it'll be interesting to see if we get anything or or if we don't you yeah, know we're going to be using all digital tonight well they have success in well i if you believe it there's success in taking pictures right. on digital right i have no idea about evp though i would assume that all these guys on ghost hunters and all that other crap are using digital but then again i don't really buy anything on those shows so well, that's all mind over matter yeah. i mean i thought uh, mtv sphere was perfect you put someone in a building that you say is haunted they're going to see and hear anything Certainly. you want them to see in here you're going to you can drive people crazy that that way so who knows well and it's it would be interesting that if if the long-standing theory that many have had that the phenomenon is electromagnetic-based, not straight, well, I mean, it could affect digital equipment, but it doesn't seem... It seems like the idea that magnetic tape would be somehow affected by something latent in the atmosphere is more viable for that than it would be for digital. So right. if it suddenly shows up on digital crystal clear, uh, I have all sorts of questions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then maybe it's something that... Again, it's something that is existing in the spaces that we don't see or hear live. Who knows? All right, I'll swing by my house and pick up a normal tape recorder. Little non-digital, little electro, non-digital, magnetic, magnetic tape. Reel to reel. Yes, <laughs> we will. We'll, let's compare it. Let's, we will be able to compare it. So our show is now going to take a detour into some untraveled territory for Tavern Cast. We're actually going to take the show back out 
to Sio Village Cemetery and you along with us trip. <laughs> uh, for an almost live paranormal investigation. So what's the plan tonight, Matt? I, we're just going to do what we've done before. You take a group of people in with some equipment and you uh, spend a little time out there, take some pictures, especially if you hear things, take a picture in that direction, walk around with a couple tape recorders, try to see if you see anything or hear anything and then it's when you leave that the real investigation begins when you start looking at the pictures you start looking at video you start listening to recordings and see if there's anything shows up that you weren't aware of at the time describe the uh, general layout of the cemetery and what are the key spots that we're going to be be investigating near when you first enter the cemetery there's a broken fence gate there it's kind of the only way that it's demarcated from the rest of the woods you walk through there the first thing that you'll see is the warlock tree, and I haven't been there in a long time, so I'm not entirely sure of the state, but last time I was there, it wasn't. And when we get out in the right. field, we'll tell you a little bit more about all these right. key Describe areas. It, when yeah. we're, when we're and then the you, so you get to the warlock tree that's the back end of the cemetery. It, it's pretty small. It's maybe 30 by 30. It's not a huge space. Hang a hard left. Uh, you will see one of, I believe, only two remaining headstones. It's um, an obelisk that, remarkably enough, is almost in perfect condition other than the fact that it's laying on the ground. And then there's one other um, cracked headstone. So, you know, probably most of the headstones were wood or they weren't marked. And the rest is just kind of, you know, it's like walking in the woods. You'll kind of see where the edge of the cemetery is. There's, I think, a fence post or maybe some fence around it. Now, That's a, quick, it. a quick question on danger, because this always comes up in these things. Is there any danger outside of practical physical danger of yahoos going out into the cemetery or satanic cults which i think years have gone by and this place is so overgrown and lost to history that no one even knows it's there anymore but uh is there any danger spiritually from being followed home by whatever's out there or by you know just encountering things out there we wouldn't want to encounter i think if you're not looking for trouble you won't find trouble i think i always tell people don't use ouija boards and I won't allow a Ouija board in my house because you're asking for trouble. If nothing happens, great. If you give them an avenue, if you invite them in, then you're kind of asking for trouble. For the most part, it's a really creepy experience. It'll take a little while to shake it off, but no, there's I, I have never worried about things following me home. So we're going to expand our recording group once we get out there. We've got a couple more people tagging along with us. Um, you may hear from them at some point just in the background. We're going to ask that uh, everyone calls out uh, if they see or experience or feel anything at all and then at that point we'll get photos and, and whatnot. We'll have photos of anything interesting up at the Taverncast site and if there's anything caught on EVP you'll hear it right here in the edit and we will talk about it afterwards. So, oh yeah. Let's get to the Mystery <laughs> Mobile. Alright, let's do it. And get to the cemetery. <laughs> Wait, what are we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Staging area near Dexter, Michigan, 10.05 p.m. We're here at our staging area now, waiting for our whole group to assemble. Uh, we got uh, our friend uh, Rebecca here with us, who was just on one of the previous shows of Tavern Cast. We're waiting for uh, Mike. We got Marsha here, who's in the car. Can I say oh. So, yeah, we'd love for you to say something. How, how are you feeling about this whole endeavor? Are you freaked out? I'm, I'm getting a little scared, actually. Yeah, why? Um, I heard about voices mumblings and whimpers 
So you don't do well with scary places. No, I cry. I well, cry and I get... I, I'm not even really able to talk right now because the tension through my body, um, the cortisol is just running through my body. I'm afraid that I'm going to freeze up and then I'm going to get left because... Um, I think what's good is that the entities at the cemetery feed off of fear. And so, you know, it's good that someone like you is here so that we can get good pictures, I think. This would be great. I, I'm... This is... I was starting to have a tear down my eye. <laughs> hey, Matt. The... Can you give Becca a little bit more information on how the entities on the cemetery feed directly off of the fear of young young women? Well... I, I would say the biggest thing is don't stand in the dimensional vortex because you will feel your life sucking out of you through your feet. Yeah, I, I was I was by the war. See, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I know that you guys are just messing with me right now, yeah, but the whimpers. Hey, you won't hear it. If those mess with me, that's not going to be so funny, and you're not going to be saying ha ha ha. You won't hear it. You won't hear it until later, and then you'll and then you'll realize they were all around you. <laughs> anyway, so our group is here. Uh, we're going to the cemetery. See you there. Sayo Village Cemetery, 10.32 p.m. Because the investigation was in an uncontrolled location, adjustments in audio levels were made in post-production to preserve the optimal listening experience. All right, we are finally here in Sayo Village Cemetery, and we've got the whole gang here. So why don't we just sound off this to everybody. Just we'll go around in a group here. I'm Bryce. I'm Mike. I'm Rebecca. Masha. Eric. Michael. Matt. Okay, so we're all here. We're actually standing at what was the gate or the opening of the cemetery here. Matt, if you want to just hit the cemetery with the flashlight, just kind of show the key points, go around. Go going on the ground here. So this was part of the gate. If you kind of scan out in here, it's all kind of shrubbed over. But you see like the divots like right there. See it? There's like a divot in the ground. Go over this way. You'll find some more. There's some sunken areas as you scan around with the light that you can't see too much in the dark. Those were graves. So every time you see a sunken spot in this kind of lush green area here, and it's been sunken in, those were the graves. Some ground rules, and then I'm going to let Matt take it from here. Ground rules of being in here is we will take the full tour through all this place. If any of you feel anything or experience anything out of the ordinary, you feel like you're freaked out, you feel like you feel something, a sudden change in pressure, a sudden change in temperature. And nobody play pranks on other people because I, moaning. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go to the key spots. Matt and I are going to talk about the experience of being there for a sec. We'll hang out there, take pictures as you will. We'll take audio. Mike, if you want to start your tape recording now, that would be good. And if anyone experiences anything, call that. I just want to note that as soon as I walked in here, I did get a sense of deja vu. I'm not making that up. I had this. Well, maybe you were here back in high school days. I mean, I this know. is kind of a I local even, legend. I even had like a memory almost of like being in a cemetery of some kind. I don't know if it was from a dream or if it was just some old memory that of somewhere that I went and don't recall anymore. But I don't like that. That's kinda. freaking me out. One of the things that you're going to see here pretty quickly, the people who are out here, is as soon as we get in, it feels like you're a million miles away from the road, even though the road's right there. But it just has a real sense of its own history and its own setting. It definitely feels colder on one side of the cemetery than the other. 
Yeah, it's a pretty eerie experience, I think, overall. We'll we'll get in and get out pretty quickly because we have a couple people who are freaking out. I think, though, that, Eric, if you've got cameras or whoever else has got cameras, you should try to take as many as possible and take it of us. A lot of result that we've had is when you take pictures of people. Of people, yeah. So we're moving now to what will be the um, southern boundary of the cemetery. And we're actually walking through the old plots right now. It's quieter. So there's some areas where my feet are sinking in a lot more, for sure. Could could be a grave. But, I mean, everything's gone now. It's long since... No, but there's a definite area. So uh, this is one right here, one of the only remaining stones. There's another one on the far side, but this is one of the only remaining ones. And you can see Matt and I are actually standing in, in one of these grave, divots. Yep. Which I'm going to move out of. <laughs> it looks really soft. Rebecca, how you doing? I'm just pretending I'm somewhere else right now. So actually, Matt, tell me tell me before we leave this area too so we can just have it for the show. Talk about the time that we were standing in this area and we got the EVP of the whining noise. And that the fact that... Uh, I think you heard it before it was even on the tape. Yeah, I didn't it, hear that it. That was one of the things that we actually got from the tape was me saying, do you hear the dog whining? And uh, and you said, no, you're crazy. And then it showed up on the EVP. But that was right in this area. The other thing I remember from this area is one of the really great pictures we got of a lot of smoke or um, fog or mist around my ankles and like, yeah, that was that was right around this yeah, area. Yeah, was right in this area too. Why don't we head to uh, Lion's Grave? What was that? <laughs> uh, uh. No. What'd you hear? What'd you hear? No, actually, I kind of heard it too. It was like a, it was a tonal. It had tonal quality to yeah, it. Yeah, it sounded like a, like a motorcycle. No. Well, hold on, no, no, no. Just stop. Just, just be quiet for a sec. I heard it too. It just it wasn't clear what it was. Well, as we were walking through this area that we just walked through, it was coming from up there. The um, yeah, it was from that direction. I felt something at my legs. The noise just is now. real. Yeah. Just now. Just now. See, the last time we were in here, the biggest amount of stuff that occurred was always in the northern direction towards the deadfall. Every time we were in here, over by Lion's Grave. And that's the site, that's the area you heard the sound from, right? Correct. Yeah, and I just heard something from that direction too. There's the fence. Rebecca said she just heard something else. What'd you hear? Very high pitched, sort of a yelp. Still hearing it? No, it just comes in like a big, um, like a very faint, distant, um, high pitch, like almost a yelp. I don't know. All right, so Matt, as we get next to this grave, why don't you talk about what this is, whose grave it is, anything that we found out about it back in the day. And this is the only remaining intact gravestone. And if you guys look down here with a light, you can actually see what it is. Matt, why don't you talk about it? Um, it big obelisk. It's probably seven feet tall and lay on the ground. It's <clears throat> almost in mint condition. You can read everything that's on it. Um, tell us who it is. It's uh, Nancy Lyon, but I think there's another name on the Samuel. side. I don't remember. Wife Samuel. of Wife Samuel. of Samuel, Samuel died. Samuel 
April 1845. Age of 59. This is one of the only true clues left that it was uh, actually a cemetery. This is probably, yeah, because it has to be a rich person because it's huge. And right. for a woman to have this size of an obelisk at that, in, that, in those times, that would be very rare. It's about five feet tall. Interestingly enough, we haven't ever gotten any good pictures in this area. No, never. Ever. In fact, we never encountered anything next to this grave. Ever. Yep. Yeah, no, we've never really gotten anything unusual. What's behind us? The, this is the, uh, this is the, the pedestal. Yeah. And right behind That's here is another grave. In fact, you can see it pretty distinctly if you... This is, this might be. Yeah, it's possible this is another grave, but there's a pretty good hole there, here that you can see was probably a casket. So this area right back here, guys, where, so directly behind us, we call this the deadfall area because there's a thicket you can't get past. Most of the stuff that we ever recorded came out of this area. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, the direction you just heard the sounds in, right? Yeah. Let me just hang here for a second, just be quiet and see if anything pops up. It sounds so peaceful. Just hear the wind and the trees. I just felt like I saw a shadow moving in front of me. Rebecca, what did you just say? I just felt like there was a shadow and just moved, like a uh, dark shape that just moved in front of me very quickly. With the flash? Or no, it was right lights. after the flash. Lights. See, now at times like that, what I would always usually say is just, it's your eyes adjusting. And not Yeah, but my eyes have been adjusting to many flashes, and that was something very different. Mm. I mean, the thing about anything like this is that there's no guarantees, clearly. Yeah, we're, not we're even. If you think you see something... How much is your mind playing tricks on you? And once your adrenaline starts going, you know, look out. Or maybe they target the people with more adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> it is worth noting, too, that we're doing a highly compressed time frame. I mean, to do a proper investigation, you wouldn't have all this noise bleed from people walking around. You would hear uh, shutters of cameras, and you'd probably be out here for four hours. Wow. <clears throat> Bryce, how do you feel as the ringleader bringing us all out here? Did you have any... Hesitation before coming out here? No, not really. I, I you know, I, a lot of times, though, right? so. I just this is just very peaceful to me. I don't feel hardly. Maybe that's just waspish obliviousness no, or something. Right, so, do you want to try a test, a la ghost hunters? Sure. Matt, you want to do this? Do what? Call out Nancy Lyon's name. So, so tell me, tell me why that is ill-advised. Well. That goes back to what I was saying before, that if someone's trying to get a hold of you or trying to do something, inviting them in is always a bad idea. 99% mm -hmm. of the time, nothing will happen, but that 1% of the time, it you know, who knows? And like I said, I've never had that happen, but you've I've read case files and studies and exorcisms, and they all start with something like that, a Ouija board or... or it's the open-door policy. Someone to, yeah, exactly. So... I just, I tend to err on the side of caution. 
Um, but part of that's that we've been out here with some pretty freaky stuff happening too, and I don't know that <laughs> we need to bring that back either. <laughs> but how do you feel tonight compared to other it's visits? It's very here? peaceful tonight, very calm. I don't feel like there's a lot going on. I don't feel like there are a lot of eyes watching us. I don't feel like, um, yeah, I just don't feel like there's much going on. So it'll be interesting to see if we get any footage. My guess is that we'll have very few pictures that really turn into anything, and, and we probably won't get any audio. So do hauntings fade over time? If you're talking about the, the ones that we were talking about before, the, the replay, the loop, yeah, those do, yeah, over time. They go away. Um, if you're talking about an actual intelligent being, a sentient being, then no, that wouldn't necessarily go away over time. But activity increases and decreases at different times of the year, uh, different times of the day, full moon tends to bring out more activity. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that play into it. So. See, now I think it's funny when you don't when you don't have cars coming through, and your your eyes start adjusting to just the darkness. The yeah, the the place takes on a whole different aura. Absolutely. You know. In what way? I think what Marcia said. It's just kind of peaceful. You hear the wind, and it seems more isolated. Yeah. yeah, you feel like a million miles away from everywhere. And you know, I think that can add sometimes to your your perception of something jumping up on you. But you know, honestly, with all of you guys here, I mean, you know, if I was just me and another guy, maybe. Yeah, but there's a difference right? too yeah. that there's a lot of people out here, and I, I feel think like that. Secure. Honestly, I felt more threatened standing on the roadside with cars whizzing, yeah. whizzing by yeah. me yeah. than I Absolutely. do in here. All right, let's check out the uh, tree. The tree. So we're going to move from Nancy Lyon's grave now to the Warlock's grave. It's basically just a large split-trunk tree that legend says uh, grew over the grave of a warlock, a male witch that was... It's never been clear whether or not the townspeople of Sio had the witch killed during the uh, Inquisition witch hunt era or if it's just some local legend that's spun out of control. But it is interesting to note that the tree itself uh, uh, has grown out of what appears to be a grave. It's been the site of uh, a lot of cultic activity over the years, and there is a ribbon of sandstone lodged in the tree, uh, just as the legend says there should be if it actually picked up uh, and moved a gravestone. And if anybody wants to go down in here... There is a ribbon of sandstone up on the inside, right in there. Interestingly, this is another place that we've never really gotten any good audio or pictures, you know, from this. Well, and I think this one might be something that, that dates back to the actual cemetery. This was here for a long time. Yeah. It's a very large, very tall tree that's split into two trunks from the bottom. It would take four people, hand-to-hand... To be able to fit around it, at least four, maybe even five. It's a pretty So you have a pretty good taste of what the what a typical ghost hunt is. It's not that scary. Sometimes it is. Others would argue <laughs> that maybe it is. Well, what uh, what was everyone's? What's your impression, Ben? I I don't like being here. And um, is it just because it's a graveyard or night? No, I can or? I I I can go through graveyards. Night is not so cool. Um, stories of um, people around and the voices, mythology. all of that. That's pretty scary. Um, 
the fact that there are these little borders of places, thickets, and things that we're not we're not going into that are like this outer realm of hmm. evil and darkness over on the other side of that little fence. That's not very fun. I think I feel comforted that we're with people who've been here before. Um, True. I I do feel that it's really beautiful here, and I feel a little uncomfortable about tramping around on people's graves. Mm. But I don't think I felt threatened. Yeah, I think if it's, it feels peaceful. It's quiet. I think uh, it's a nice taste for yeah. without a longer much more <laughs> exploratory type of... Well, I, ideally what you would do is you'd come out here and you'd set up, you know, multiple audio recorders and cameras and you'd stay here for quite a long time and there would be a complete moratorium on making any noise. Like, you would be very still... We've been doing a lot of trampling around and transiting from one area to the other. I'll be interested to see if anything turns up using all digital technology versus the mm. magnetic technology that we used. And it's kind of fun to be out here again. But it's interesting that no one actually had, no one here had anything even remotely resembling an experience, correct? Other than just feeling unnerved? I certainly didn't. Yep, nothing. I think Mac did. So you saw the show. Yeah, but I do all the time. I don't know if it's just my vivid imagination or what, but I felt things. The shadow. Yeah, that's true. I didn't like that. Well, I think what's interesting is, though, is that by and large when you do these things, you don't have these experiences, which I want to say that I think to some extent has to be taken into account when you look at shows like Ghost Hunters and Paranormal State and stuff like that, where every single episode, no matter where those people go, they are experiencing... Some of that is hollow. paranormal activity. Yeah. yeah, they are walking down halls and they're calling stuff out and saying, "Do you hear me? I'm not scared of you." There's EVP every episode, but what they do is that they play the EVP and they put a they put text on the bottom that right. says it says right, right. go away. Subtitle it. Yep. So a sound that's like rah rah rah. This is go away. You know. Oh, it said go away. Okay. If evidence was easy to come by, then there would be a lot of proof out there. But it's not easy to come by. That wouldn't even be an interesting question anymore. Right. It's normal. Yeah. Well, and this is a pretty typical ghost hunting party. A bunch of friends get together, go stand out in the woods. You know, it's not most of what people are doing looking for proof is basically feeding into their own imaginations without doing anything to really prove or disprove any existence of anything which you know may be impossible that's kind of why we stopped doing it i guess you said there was a reason you stopped the first time how would it be different this time Um, how would you take care of that you know i guess you have to sort of come to terms with the fact that you're not going to ever prove or disprove anything but you're never going to change people's minds so is this a faith-based I, I I hate to say that because I, I think that everyone's faith is a little bit different. And it's certainly not, you know, me going to church every Sunday saying that there's ghosts or anything like that. So I wouldn't say it's faith-based, but I would say that going back to my always knowing and always believing that there was something going on, I think that plays into my faith a little bit. But I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as we make it. So what is it, Eric and Michael? What are you guys seeing? I think go, go left again. they're go trying left to again. get better pictures. What are you guys doing? I don't know. We'll tell Watch you later if we see anything. 
Okay. What do no. you think you saw? It was just really, really interesting that we had, although we, we only changed the, the frame by about three degrees, we had a lot of uh, light reflection on the left, and it was very, very black on the right. I just wanted to see if we get the same experience with Eric's camera. Hmm. But, you know, we were talking about finding evidence um, and better evidence. What, what accounts for better evidence? What is more believable than others? See, I would think that if you, if you came to a place that had stories of being haunted and you put down, like, a net of motion sensors and cameras and, uh, you know, things that you could, like, readily go back and identify what quadrant changed temperature and things like that, that's more conducive to real evidence than, I mean, what we're doing, which is, uh-huh. we're doing a very entertainment-based ghost hunting, you know? Right. And that's the one thing they don't do on those ghost hunter shows. So, I think, thus ends the experiment out to Slough Village Cemetery. And now we'll go back and see, uh, we'll listen to some of the audio and see if we actually picked up anything interesting. That's usually kind of the fun of it. Yeah, if you spend four hours out here in the dark, you've got to spend four hours in the light listening to the tape you made. So. Yeah. Oh, it's like a focus group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do it transcribed. <laughs> Feeling that the show was complete and that nothing would come of the investigation, Bryce Irwin, Eric Watson, and Mike Monin recorded a conclusion to the program and led the group out of the cemetery. Immediately thereafter, they played back the digital audio recording. To their shock, the recording picked up more than just their voices. Digital audio recording. Time, 9 minutes, 41 seconds. A subtle and quiet whimpering noise can be heard. This sound is very similar to audio recorded over 10 years earlier by Matt Laura and the APRO team. Time, 9 minutes 54 seconds. The first major anomaly, a whispered vocalization. Where are we setting up camp? Time, 10 minutes, 43 seconds. Time, 14 minutes, 37 seconds. Why don't we head to uh, Lion's Grave? Watch your step. Time, 15 minutes, 2 seconds. A distant tone, whine, or howling noise is heard by Rebecca and Bryce. Although it is nearly imperceptible, it is caught by the digital recorder. I was going to ask you that. What was that? No. What did you hear? What did you hear? Time, 15 minutes, 56 seconds. While the group discusses the tonal whine, another whispering vocalization is recorded. No. But That's the noise was real. That's tonight? The noise Just was now. real. Yeah. Time, 20 minutes, 7 seconds. A faint voice can be heard whispering. The group believed this sound was potentially someone near the recording device. But since no one could account for these vocalizations, it is included for the record. Anybody call? 
The majority of the anomalies were recorded near the front of the cemetery, over a five-minute time frame, and never reoccurred during the remainder of the investigation. Only the tonal whine was heard by anyone in the group while the recording was being made. Audio review, outside Sayo Village Cemetery, 11.55 p.m. Wow. So we just play back some of the tape. We're in the Was car. It, we're in the car by the side of the road, and we're just kind of huddling in the same car, listening to the tape. So what does everybody think? I'm freaked out. I'm totally freaked out. I'm really curious. It's really interesting there were, there to me. There were five different versions in which we heard a um, the same voice in the tape saying the same thing we are not making this up don't do that no (laughs) we're not making this up this is for real where are we setting up the camp just now I don't Well, and I think what's really weird is that uh, um, when you said that you called out that you heard something, and I vaguely remember hearing maybe something, but I wonder, like, if it has any correlation with the sounds that got on the, the recorder after the fact. Like, I wonder if we heard yeah, something. I don't know. I just, you got to wonder. I'm surprised that we got such good quality on the digital, to be honest with you. It, it kind of shoots to hell that whole idea that it has to be a magnetic tape. But I'm not surprised yeah. that, that there was activity out there. This stuff sounds almost exactly like the stuff we got 10 years ago. 10 years ago, yeah. Almost exactly. The difference is is that we don't hear the spindles of the cassette recorder. Exactly, yeah. And there's less... It's so clear, it's tough. It's easier to Mm. discern what's there. What's really interesting to me is when something comes by and everyone jumps, that everyone hears the same thing at the same time. That's... What, what do you guys think? Well, I'm waiting to hear the recording on the other piece of equipment we had yeah, to see if it ties up. That would be it. really interesting. Sync them up and see if you can hear the same thing. That would that would really get. And they're even different types. So the other thing is a is an is an old tape recorder. Mm-hmm. So if you're hearing that same sound on both of them, that that rules out the possibility of it being some weird like you're rubbing the mic against something or some weird thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that could be it because what we heard <laughs> was pretty crazy. And it was the same voice yeah, over same and over again, voice. saying the same, same thing. thing. That was very scary. Well, and the, and the fact too that there was the one, uh, there was the one that seemed yeah. like it did exactly okay, the yes. same thing. We heard it at least yeah. three times, right? Four. Yeah, four at least. Four plus the exhale. Yeah, and it was all in that area. Yeah. I heard some yip yips over there. Yeah, I did too. Back in the cemetery, yeah. in the to, orchard area. Like I'm pointing at there's him right a, now. Oh, okay. I heard the dog too. Yeah. <laughs> Audio slowed to 25% speed. 50% speed. I'm really curious, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued. I I'm not going to be able to walk around at night by myself for a very long time. I'm telling you, though, this is the kind of thing 
that yeah, honestly, wait, yeah, wait two or three video. times, yeah. we've gotten practically the same it's, it's, tenor of whatever it is. So it's not fading, in other words. It's it's there, yeah, no, it's, it's strong, the same. clearly. Exactly same, the same. It's almost yeah. exactly the same thing. And I yeah. find it really interesting that, I mean, it was extremely clear on the audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody heard anything. No one heard it there. Anything. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's classic EVP. Yeah, so it, there would have been a reaction from someone. Did you hear that? Yeah, and it's so loud. On well, this. but there was from her, and that's what but I'm not wondering. At the same time. Yeah. Oh, you're saying it's reverberating. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Possibly. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. I just don't know what I'm saying. I'm so saying. if there's some kind of glitch in the recording, it, it can't <laughs> possibly be the same glitch over no. and over. Yeah. Yeah, that seems unlikely. Yeah. And it's the one that seems to definitively be like almost the exact same thing that really bothers me mm-hmm. because it's like it's like the same whatever it is this place is known for just this right here October 3rd 2010 the Tavern Cast Studios Ann Arbor Michigan 8:30 p.m. We're back in the studio, and I, I don't think that I don't think that any of us really expected the audio results that we got out of the cemetery. Am I right on that one? I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. I think the only one who didn't act incredibly shocked was Matt. Yeah. He's like, oh, we get this all the time. Yeah. Well, and I mean, ten years ago, yes, but I was sort of assuming that the best case scenario is is that somebody like. Rebecca would get freaked out, and then we'd have some good audio off of it. But I never, I never actually expected we'd get much of anything. Mm-hmm. No, I, I didn't either. And it was great that we did. I mean, she was freaked out on the way home, and I was like, oh, I bet. I was like, you got to admit, this is going to be one of the things that you tell your grandkids about is the coolest, one of the coolest, craziest <laughs> things you've ever done. <laughs> she wouldn't, she wouldn't quite. <laughs> that didn't really that. help, huh? But uh, she kind of copped to it, but. Yeah. So it kind of goes without saying. You you can believe us or not believe us. You can assume this is a giant Halloween prank or not, but uh, it's not. No, it's no, <laughs> totally not. We we listened to that recording not five minutes after we left that cemetery, and yeah, we were we were like there were seven of us down the road, if that. And, and we, but, we plugged into the car and immediately heard that stuff, and everybody was we just freaked out. Freaked out. Yeah. We've also gotten photos back, a couple of them, uh, some that are be up there right now, so you can go check them out. Um, there was one in particular that seemed a bit odd you know, with the uh, there's kind of an orange haze sort of looping behind the trees is kind of what it appears like. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of that in conjunction with the strange audio? I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. I mean, you want to you want to chalk it up to like, you know, some kind of funny effect or something given that it was dark or maybe two flashes were going off at once or something, but it doesn't it doesn't look like any of the pictures I took. So this is a picture that Mike, the other Mike took. Well, I mean, a lot of the pictures have weird stuff in the background just because they're out of focus and and that kind of thing. I don't know. It does. It doesn't have the effect on me that the audio has. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's cool. I think it's spooky. Yeah, I think yeah. paired with the audio, it's like yeah. if that had been all we got, something. I would be a little disappointed. I think so. So now yeah. I want to know. I guess all from from all of us here. I, I don't know if one event can change people's impressions one way or the other, but. We've, when we first started the show earlier, we kind of went around and said like what our basic belief system was on the whole paranormal. You know, like somewhat apathetic. Some people are like, ah, I'm a skeptic, or yeah, I'm kind of a believer, or whatever. 
Does hearing anything like that change anything, or does it just make you want to delve deeper and ask more questions, or it, what, what does it do? The latter. Definitely the latter. <clears throat> it yeah. makes me want to want to check it out. I mean, I think I said uh, when I was saying what my belief was, like, very soft skeptic. You know, I could definitely see something being out there. I've just never experienced it, and mm-hmm. this is kind of the first experience that I've had with something like that, and it makes me just want to go check it out more. Yeah. So you so. know what it did to me? It makes me not want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> Like I, I've had enough. I've I've heard enough of this kind of stuff in the past that I just really I I, I really didn't expect anything, mm-hmm. and it weirds me out enough that it showed up on the tape when we went out there, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, no, I'm not having it. I think I think I'm done with mm-hmm. that particular that particular episode of my life. I don't need to know anymore. I believe it. I don't need to know what the deal is with it. So I you guys see. would actually go back out and look. I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm still curious if it had happened during the day. I'm curious to do it more than one recorder. Well, we did use more than one recorder, but... Well, we um, really slogged through it. We yeah. just did, like, an entertainment-based, quick and dirty, yeah. old-fashioned ghost hunt. Like, nobody was worried about sounds bill, mm-hmm. you know? And, I mean, that, 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 that is an argument, right? Is maybe the sounds we heard on the tape is some kind of sounds bill. The well, one... I mean, I'd be interested even to take that recorder and just kind of handle it and, and, and see if you can reproduce that sound somehow through touching it or brushing against it or brushing it against something or, or whatever. I mean, I saw you were holding it. You weren't doing that. I'm just saying that that would be an interesting thing to try. Well, the thing that I that I kept thinking of when I played it back and had it at really loud volumes, trying to, like, listen to it and whatnot, that the only thing that I can think that makes any sense with it at all is, like, so the person I was standing next to most of the night was Rebecca. She was pretty close to me mm-hmm. in in proximity to the mic. And her and I both had jackets made of or jackets that had elements of that nylon-y material and like kind of whatever right (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) wait are you saying that ghost was a rapper yeah the um uh i kind of just wondered if it was if what sounds to us like whispering is actually like a a twig or a branch or something brushing across that nylon yeah that's what i that's why i was saying but there's then other parts i listen to it and i'm like well, but this sounds like a vocalization. Well, you said you, one of the things you noticed when you listened to it was that at high volume and stuff and where the stereo sound was coming, that it was moving back and forth between the channels. That is, that well, is very bizarre. Think of how small that mic is. It wouldn't be hard for something to be touching different sides to, to trigger different channels. But, but in, a, in a very consistent kind of way. Yeah, so, I don't know. So, I haven't listened to it that way. So, so. that everybody actually knows what we use, we have a, a an actually a really good professional-grade portable recorder, and it's, it records in surround sound. So when we were out there, we actually recorded Same this. Same thing we used the, for ONTAP. Yeah, and it's four-channel stereo surround, right? So we've got a, we've got a, a mic element in the front that goes out 90 degrees, and it's in stereo, and one in the back that goes out 120 degrees, and that's in stereo. Those two are both active. So this sound was bouncing. I don't know whether it was coming from the front or the back, but it was bouncing back and forth from the left and right channels in a very short time frame. So if the, the noise, the whispering-type noise was like whisper, whisper, in that time frame... It went from like the left channel to the right channel, back to the left channel, and halfway back to the right again. So where are we setting up camp? Audio slowed to fifty percent speed. It was really bizarre, hmm. and that would mean that when you listen to the rest of us talking through it, if Rebecca's to my left and Mike Monin is to my right, and they're consistently balance toward those channels and this thing goes back and forth what does that even mean i don't even know what that means 
I, I find it really compelling. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it was no matter what it is, it's very, very creepy. Yeah. Because what we heard was so loud on the digital, it's hard to see how yeah. you wouldn't hear it on yeah, the Yeah, but it, it actually wasn't very loud on the digital. We It sounded loud to us when we played it back in the oh, car because I had the volume like all the way up. Yeah. When you actually look at it on the on the tape, the loudest element is me or Matt if if we're talking, but usually me because I, I kept moving the mic to my mouth unwisely. I thought it needed to be close like yeah, we have here in the really studio. Picks it up, yeah. but, but it didn't need to. But that element's really soft it's not much louder than the road noise yeah or the under the wind in the background it's pretty soft mm. and people should know that when you're looking at the analog audio this is off a old mini cassette tape on, an, on a very old piece of equipment possibly with even weak batteries so, i mean this is not sure uh sure. gonna be the best this is like the other stuff. end of the spectrum so there you have it a planned tavern cast event that turns into sort of an unexpected is it a treat or is it a trick? <laughs> I'd like to revisit it at some point. Yeah. Be it a Halloween thing or just be it a... Uh... Well, I want to hear other people's theories on it. and we'll, we'll keep digging into it, don't worry. Well, if it's one thing I know about the people that listen to this show, 10 to 1 we're going to get demands on the message boards starting tomorrow yeah. to, to have us go back out there again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't yeah. doubt that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we do, you'll hear about it. So happy Halloween, everyone. Be Halloween. Happy Halloween. Boo. After this program was completed, the analog recording of the investigation was analyzed. Because of the age of the tape and the quality of the recording device, the audio was somewhat garbled. But at 9 minutes and 49 seconds, there was an event similar in nature to the whispered sounds heard in the digital recordings near the same time. Analog Cassette Recorder So where are we setting up camp? Digital surround sound recorder. So where are we setting up camp? When the analog and digital recordings were synced and compared, the two anomalies did match up, but not in the way anyone expected. The analog event takes place nearly one second before the digital event. Initially, this was thought to be an error. Two distinct events, not related to each other, having separate sources. Until it was recalled that the analog recorder being held by Mike and the digital recorder being held by Bryce were about 15 feet apart, making it possible that the events, which seemed to be separate, were actually from a single source, traveling a distance between one recording device and another. can hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise right out of the ground Ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, look way down the river And what do you think I see? I see a band of angels And they're coming after me Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave 
can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down 